Hi, welcome back. My name is June. Uh, my hair is kind of a disaster. Headband. I apologize for the scrappiness, but I'm too lazy to get a haircut. This is what we're dealing with. So I'm recording right now and I'm still not quite sure what this is going to be. This might be just a, a video. Uh, this might be homecoming part two. If you've missed part one, here's the link to that somewhere on, on the screen. And I don't know, I was thinking about what homecoming part two would look like. And I think the homecoming series is about me finding myself, finding my way back home but also kind of just finding the person I used to be, I think, as weird as that is and cheesy as that is, because I do feel like I lost a lot of who I was before. I remember myself as someone who was very bubbly, very happy, um, <clears throat> but also very goals-oriented and driven. Um, and a large part of that, I think, has to do with being naive at a younger age, uh, feeling somewhat invincible and then you know coming to the realization as I get older that um, I'm not going to get to where I want to be or at least internalizing that that thought now I'm trying to challenge that notion and try to you know find some faith find some um, belief that I can achieve something at least in this lifetime but yeah if we back up I think my goals used to be very legacy-driven, achievement-driven, um, wanting to contribute to humanity. Lots of focus on contributing to the Korean-Canadian identity and community out here in Canada and ideally North America. But, but I got very distracted by becoming a freelance videographer. Um, the challenges that come with being a freelancer, let alone a videographer in today's age, really, really got me off track in terms of thinking, what I like, um, how I spend my time. I lost all of my hobbies, essentially. I lost a lot of community. Um, mind you, I gained a lot of community as well, but I think a lot of my relationships became networking relationships or I don't know just um whereas before whereas before I think a lot of my relationships were for the purpose of community of particularly building a Korean Canadian community and and a lot of the situations I was in with these people uh, I was walking life with these people I was we were experiencing a lot of highs a lot of lows and this is mainly, I guess, talking about the nonprofit that I was trying to run. Now, that consisted of weekly practices, a lot of meetings, a lot of talking, and then going on the road to perform at various venues and events. And there's something about pining away, about struggling with a group of people and overcoming these seemingly you know, unimportant things. Back then, of course, it felt very important, but if I take a step back and look at it now, we would be fighting over very, you know, menial things. But with those seemingly unnecessary fights or conflicts, you build bonds, you build community, you build, you learn. You learn a lot about yourself. Um, that was probably the phase of my life where I learned about myself as a Korean Canadian in that context the most. But yeah, I think pursuing a freelance career, it really messes with your priorities and messes with your you know, relationships and stuff like that. And I think any sort of wannabe entrepreneur in these last couple of years, we've gone through the ups and downs of becoming obsessed with grit and hustle. And 
in the midst of running nonstop, I definitely feel like I've lost a lot of that joy that I used to have for life, a lot of that zeal for achievement within the context of community rather than financial achievement. Because I mentioned this in a couple of things that my early 20s and my university years, I wasn't concerned with finding a career or figuring out who I am in the context of a career, but more so what type of family man do I want to become? What kind of adult in my later years? What do I want to look like in my 30s, 40s and 50s and so on? And for me, that was yeah very much about my values, how I want to treat people, what type of relationships I want with people, what does my community look like, and what do my contributions to society look like on a not not in a very tangible way, but in terms of its impact and uh yeah. Now the reason why I thought this would be homecoming part two, uh, but right now I'm realizing that it's not going to be <laughs> I gotta organize my thoughts more for that, is because Afternoons with June, right now how I'm structuring it is to speak about my latest video. And these latest videos have been kind of a part of the series that I'm trying to do of writing a lot more, writing down my thoughts or just capturing whatever comes to mind. I realize that I do enjoy that writing process, but also mixing it with videography and just all this stuff. It's, it's my way of finding creativity again. And the latest video had a lot of footage from those nonprofit years, which is why the video is titled Repentance. And I was struggling to find the title for that video. And that's why it's kind of all over the place. It's kind of a mess. It's celebrating the relationships that I do have that have remained intact over the years, uh, as well as apologizing to the bridges that I've burnt. And through that apology, trying to repent for it, but also realizing that I've been obsessed with taking time for myself and I have no regrets on that. And I think that is a necessary step that everybody needs to do or take. But becoming obsessed with that, I can see that I'm already putting too much emphasis on it. And it's taking time away from my other relationships and the quality away from my other relationships. And in particular, my relationship with my girlfriend, my relationship with my family, it's it's become a distraction of sorts. So that's why the video opens up with time for yourself can look like this. And it's just clips of me being alone. And it can also look like this, which is, you know, investing time into your craft and working and whatever you need to. But then it can also look like this while cutting to a scene or a clip of me going on a boating trip with or renting a boat with my girlfriend and my friends. So when I was making this video, it was the realization that technically any time spent with community is also time spent for yourself, with yourself. It is a form of self-development. It is where you really find yourself. It's, it's this line of thinking that was the premise of that nonprofit is that through dealing with the ups and downs and all the drama that comes with social dynamics, uh, we can begin to assess our actions, why we think a certain way, why we act a certain way, and finding the root causes of those beliefs, values, actions. So for example, let's say you're hanging out with group A and it's predominantly Canadian. There are certain jokes and certain ways of expressing, I guess, 
intimacy with them that doesn't fly in a group that's consisting of just Koreans. There are certain topics that will never come up in a conversation between Koreans, and there are certain topics that are you know very common when you're hanging out with pure Canadians. But with the Korean Canadian, and this is such an overplayed topic in 2020 that I'm a little bit sick of it. And I remember I made a video saying that I was a little bit bitter about it, that it took so long for the Asian American in North America community to finally realize that, yeah, uh, you don't feel white enough, quote unquote, to hang out with the white community. You don't feel Korean enough to hang out with the Korean community. So where where are you then? And that's something I saw in a lot of Korean Canadians in my network that we were playing this camouflage game, this chameleon game, and who could blend in better? And I remember just seeing a lot of people overcompensating in order to fit in better. That was just our existence. And I became fed up with that. And I realized, you know, there are definitely people out there like me. We all say the same thing. We're too white to be with Koreans and we're too Korean apparently to be with white people. And at first I used to be like, no, I, I'm so Canadian. I'm so quote unquote white. These are my people, but I just look different. But it became increasingly apparent as the years got went by that there, there was a disconnect even in that community, that it wasn't simply an appearance thing. It was a family values thing. It was stuff that you would learn at home um, something as small and trivial as, you know, wearing shoes in the house. Those are very small cultural differences that eventually accumulate into feeling like uh, you don't understand one another. So, yeah, my idea was to gather all these weird Korean Canadian folk and give it a context that we can go through life naturally together, that we can struggle together. And that inevitably fell upon the creative arts. That if we engage in a creative activity of sorts together, if we do some organized club activity type of thing together and express ourselves artistically, that all of these things will come to light. All of these conversations will naturally slowly happen and we will have a better sense of identity. We'll have a better understanding of what a Korean Canadian is and we'll also have a sort of art form that will represent us and that our form was Korean traditional drumming with a kind of Western flavor added to it. Now, the struggle with that, of course, is that the people we we're performing for just thought it was Korean drumming. They didn't really see how it's Korean Canadian because to them, it's, it's all foreign. It's these big drums that have these traditional looking um, paintings and whatnot over it or colors. And with ourselves, too, I think we struggled with a really seeing it as a Korean Canadian art or trying to develop a Korean Canadian art. But also more than that, what I, my main struggle was, because I was trying to lead this group, was realizing that that spectrum was far more vast than I thought. Because people are already so diverse in their family upbringings. Nowadays, we criticize the notion of a set nuclear family where we have the mother, the father, and the children. Nowadays, we have families that have you know, either one single parent raising children or we have just parents or we have same-sex, same-gender parents. We have so much more diversity and then we have families that lose one of the parents early, maybe perhaps both parents early. So things that we typically associate Korean Canadian or Korean culture with 
uh, in terms of family, now that has become much more complicated. And because of that, the values that we all had and expressed and the priorities that we had and expressed were also very different. So just realizing how it was much more difficult than I thought to have everybody on the same page. Now, there are things across the board. There are the easy, quote unquote, easy things that everybody can stand behind and understand, such as the, you know, not feeling Korean enough to be Korean and not Canadian enough to be Canadian. But at one point, it needed to go a step further than that. And I don't think we achieved that. So that is Modney. That is that, that nonprofit side of things. And it ended kind of bittersweet. It ended with me very displeased with the group and at the lack of commitment and all this, all these little things that now I don't stay in touch with any of them. And at one point, I think we were at like 30 people strong. Um, but to not have a single one of those left in my network, that's kind of alarming to me. And just sitting on it, on that thought while making this video or writing for this video, it was sad, sad. Yeah, I was, I was very sad that that had happened. And I think I attribute it, attribute a lot of it to myself and my, you know, just being young and having that, maybe being too, too gung ho about it. And not realizing that we're not all on the same page. Yeah. And then even further than that, actually, no. Honestly, if I'm being honest and blunt, that is what really tugs at my heart. Is the fact that arguably that's the only community that I really care about. Is the Korean-Canadian community. Um, and something that I've so desperately longed for while growing up while being in university, and even now, to a certain extent. I think we had something really good back in the day. And it was before its time. And had we stuck with it, it would have matured into something much more stable and powerful today. Um, and I think we could have really helped a lot of these up-and-coming uh, youth, third-generation immigrants, who will definitely lose a lot of uh, connections and ties to their culture. Because a lot of second-gen immigrants already, there's a lot of us that have lost touch with our mother culture. A lot of us are not fluent in Korean. A lot of us disagree with a lot of the things that happen in Korea. Um, more than that, we might not even know what's going on in Korea most of the time. And the reason why that's important is that then we don't understand our mother culture. We don't understand the history of where we came from, where our parents came from. There's a very common story in the Korean Canadian community where father son relationships are very strained. And, and a lot of these strains come from the fact that a lot of Korean Canadians just don't understand um, their parents' culture and what they've gone through to get to where they are today. And because a person's struggle defines what they find important, right? There are certain regrets that will inform certain things that they wish for their child. For example, the whole obsession with being a lawyer or a doctor is oftentimes because your parents themselves um, could not become that and now they are paying for that in terms of they're struggling financially 
and they came and immigrated for a better life. Anyways, uh, it's kind of getting messy, but that's what I care about. And I think a lot of youth will inevitably be having these struggles and we could have contributed today on a much larger scale. We wouldn't be having the same conversations we had five years ago today is what I strongly believe because we did understand the power of the internet. That's where I started vlogging. That's where I started learning videography actually was to document that process. And we understood that we needed to not only focus on our local community, but we needed to find a way, an avenue to share our experiences and our findings and our learnings on a global scale on through the internet. So it, it's just a lot of, in Korean it's called ashum. And it's like, if you say ashipta, it's like, ah, man, what a waste. Or uh, we should have kept with it. Or like, that's one thing that I wish we could have changed. That type of feeling is that word. And that's definitely what I feel about this community, about all that stuff. And it's gone to a point where even if I reached out, it would just kind of be awkward and weird. Um, so, uh, yeah, I fucked up. That's about it. And that's what this video is about. It's just like, it's a lot of things. Yeah. It's an apology to the people in my current relationships, an apology to the people that were beside me five years ago. And that's why the video ends with, I've hurt, I've hurt as much as I've been hurt and I've lost a lot of love for people, but here's to trying to recoup that joy and spread it anew. Because I do think moving forward, that's something I want to change. That's something I want to address about myself is that I had, I definitely have become somebody who has no faith in humanity or people during this whole BLM phase this year that is ongoing. It's a very significant cultural event and is showing a lot of different sides of people on both sides. There's people that are claiming to not be racist, but they are racist. There are people who were very gung-ho about supporting BLM, but now they're tired of BLM. There are people that... It's just very predictable what how people will act and what people will say. And that results in me being very cynical or very, very sad at the state of education and how we have so many adults who think very one-dimensionally. And that's a side note. With Korean Canadians, I think we excel in that type of environment or that type of um, thinking where we have two, two seemingly conflicting ideas and we need to exist in between them. We need to respect both sides and see both the merits of both sides and to find the harmony, find the balance between them, resolving the issues or seeing what's bullshit, what can we accept, what do we need to throw away, and finding that perfect balance. That's what a bicultural person is. If you're multicultural, that's even better. But we are very adept, I believe, at doing that. And that's why I felt so strongly that we do have a voice that can emerge. We have a potential impact on society. We, we could do so much more than being these quiet kids in the side, uh, in the corner of the room, just trying to get by.
But yeah, when we were making progress in that regard, I, I was definitely so joyful, just full of joy that we were making progress, that we were challenging the way that we think. And yeah, like, fuck, I don't, I don't really know what else to say. Like, I just really feel uh, sad that we didn't stick with it. I think that's it for this video, actually. Uh, or maybe this is a podcast episode. I don't know. Hope those thoughts resonate with some of you. Hope that makes sense to some of you, too. If you are a Korean Canadian, um, this is me reaching out to you. Let's connect. Let's talk. And for anybody else who's listening, just thank you for your time. That's also part of this video is um, there's a couple of video messages in there of people reaching out to me saying that my videos have been helpful to them. And I used to think that was very corny and cheesy, but after you actually receive one of those messages, it actually feels very good and very validating. And um, yeah, I mean, everybody wants to feel useful, I think. I think everybody wants to help people to a certain degree, somewhere down there. Um, and that's, that's what I want to do, I think. I, I definitely want to contribute in positive ways to the people around me and the people passing through my life. That's what I want to do. So yeah, thank you to those individuals that express those thoughts with me, to me. Some final side note, the sheer power of hearing somebody's voice or receiving a, a video message too is is profound. I, I was very surprised by that because I, I don't do that. I It's weird to me to sit down and record one of those. Um, but for some reason, this whole thing is not weird. <laughs> um, but yeah, it, it was very me powerful. It, it meant a lot. So thank you to those individuals. And I'm going to try to implement that in my own life as well to send you know, a voice message or a video message because maybe that's something that people, that person will need at that time. And I think it carries a lot more weight than a simple text message. So anyways, that's it. Um, my name is June. Uh, this is my weird, weird little podcast. And I guess maybe a weird little YouTube video for my weird YouTube channel. It's a lot of searching still, a lot of figuring stuff out, but a lot of joy, honestly. The, all of this stuff has just become my way of expressing joy. There is no, it's weird. Final, final side note or topic is that I launched a new channel called Boy With A Camera, and that's just where all my gear-related stuff is going to go because I, I really hate the culture of camera gear and equipment, but I love camera gear and equipment. I love my cameras. I love my microphone. I love everything that's going on. So, yeah, but also I want to make a YouTube channel and want to set up some passive revenues revenue streams. So that is my way of kind of, you know, quote unquote, selling out a little bit and making content that I know will, you know, eventually be searched on YouTube, build an audience that's around that, that topic. My personal channel, though, I just want to keep it away from all of that. I don't want to look at the likes or views or whatever and not calculate, you know, okay, how do I beat the algorithm? How do I get more subscribers and whatnot? I want everything on that channel to just be what I'm feeling at that time, what I want to make and is just a place of joy and de-stressing and asking questions or proper stress in the right moments and places. 
I want it to be me and I don't want it to be motivated by anything else. So to those individuals that I've reached out with tips on how to grow my YouTube channel as well, thank you. But um, the reason I'm not following any of those is because I don't want it to be about that. Um, this podcast is the same way. It's a terrible podcast if you really think about it. Actually, you probably don't even need to think about it. It's a terrible podcast. My channel is a terrible YouTube channel, but for me, it's joy. And for me, it's expression. And for me, it's good for me. And that's why more than anything else, just thank you to the people that have supported that. That for me, that really feels like you are supporting me directly and you're not supporting some weird facet or fake facade of who I am. That is it. Thank you so much. Have a wonderful day. And I'll see you in the next one. Bye.